0: Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world.
1: I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have.
0: We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. Happy Friday, everybody. I am your host, Josh Carter. Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast. It is 1 p.m. on Friday, so of course we're here. Uh, If you are new to the show, welcome. Uh, Every week we spend about 50 minutes-ish, maybe an hour, talking to amazing founders doing really cool things that just happen to be military people. Veterans, military spouse, you name it. And this week is uh, one of my favorite people in the ecosystem, Chloe Cattell and Partha Ray of uh, Polyport. And we'll get to know the organization really well. It's amazing the platform they've built. Um, I'm a huge fan, and they've been just crushing it at places like South by Southwest. Uh, We'll we'll get to know all that. But first, let me just welcome Chloe and Partha. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, thank you so much. It's uh, great
1: to be on here today and excited to chat with you.
0: Yeah, I think we've tried yes. uh, like three or four times to get this done, uh, so I'm, I'm glad that we finally figured out how to get it done. I'm really excited. Uh, like I said, love what you guys do. Uh, you guys both know. I'm huge fans of what you guys do, uh, and the, the platform is amazing, but uh, Chloe, I, I know you are a military vet, and I want to know more about sort of your journey ahead of you know w- building these companies that, you, that you, you're building, um, so first and foremost... Where are you from and what compelled you to join the military?
1: So I'm originally from Silver Spring, Maryland. And uh, how tangential can I get here? Because I can give you a very short version or a little bit longer of how the military you, experience you,
0: started. You get, to, you get to pick your own adventure here, Chloe. So you, <laughs> All right. you go with it as much as you want.
1: <laughs> cool. So... Um, when, uh, when I was 16 years old, I ended up getting in a car accident, which was not fun. And uh, I wanted to become a reconstruction And I, for some reason, always looked at the Navy, and I saw the different types of doctors that were in the Navy and the Army. And I knew that I wanted to uh, join the military and be a doctor in the military. So uh, I started college at University of Maryland, and one of my best friends ended up enlisting in the Marine Corps. And she came back from uh, after boot camp and she came back and she was on recruiter assistance. And she said, hey, will you come in for an interview today? And I went in for an interview and I started talking with the recruiters and they ended up convincing me to join the Marine Corps as prior service because they knew that I wanted to go to medical school for the Navy. So I somewhat just ended up going home and I told my mom and my mom thought I was crazy and she was going to kidnap me because there's only (laughs) one individual in my family that is in the military or was in the military. My grandfather, he was in the Air Force. Um, But so that's how it kind of started. I knew I wanted to be a doctor and I knew that I wanted to do it in the military. And then I ended up going enlisted uh, to start that process.
0: Wow. And what was that? What was that uh, first initial? You get off the bus. You're getting yelled at. What was that? Uh, what was that experience like for you?
1: So my my recruiting office they prepared us very well, and I've heard horror stories from other recruiting stations that they did not prepare them as well. I was gonna so, say I didn't
0: have know, that recruiting station.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so you know, when when it comes to your the initial strength test where you're in the uh, Marine Corps, you're supposed to be able to run a mile and a half in under 15 minutes. You're supposed to be able to do a flex arm hang, I think for 20 seconds, and then somewhere around like 40 or 50 setups in two minutes. But they made sure that we surpassed that with flying colors. So when I first got down there, uh, I was actually on the front row of the bus and I just remember getting spit on by the, uh, <laughs> by the drill instructors. And so I was ready for it, but still, you say you're ready for it. You're really not ready for it. It right. was just—it uh, was eleven o'clock at night, and then we got sleep-deprived for three days. So I was expecting it, but until you're thrown into that situation, it's—it's it's definitely night and day of what you're thinking. Um,
0: my, my entire time at boot camp was a blur. I, but to be fair, I—I <laughs> I, I did the Navy boot camp, so it's you know the the lesser of the of the four evils. I—I I would I would suspect. Is it is it a blur because you you made it a blur or it's a blur because I'm old? <laughs> ah, I see. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I remember pizza, uh, pieces of it. I so I'm not very tall. So in the Navy, you the the short guy gets to hold the flag. And so I was the guide on in, in my division, which also meant that I was part of the officer crew. So, you know, when everybody else was doing service week and they were, you know, scrubbing pots and pans, I was uh, hanging out in a helo hangar, uh, standing watch for a week, uh, ordering takeout. So, again, I, you know, there's there's good things uh, to being vertically challenged. And that was the benefit <laughs> I would happily cash in every time.
1: We we like to call that fun size.
0: That's right. That's right. It's it's. But- <laughs> <laughs> yes it's a good way to put it
1: i tried to avoid uh just talking about the boot camp experience i uh the first four weeks i got down there because you had mentioned what what did it feel like so uh i i went oh my gosh what have i gotten myself into and i tried to get out for the Whoa, first four weeks really so i told the medical facility or i told the uh, doctors that i sleepwalk. Which I actually do sleepwalk, but I heard something about how that can help you get out, and they said, "No, you're in perfect physical condition. You're just trying to leave." <laughs> and so when I, so so when I accepted the fact that I was going to be down there for 13 weeks, I realized I'm going to make fun out of the situation. Yeah. But I tried to avoid being a squad leader or anything like that because I didn't want the limelight on me.
0: Sure. Yeah, and then you get these donuts who don't belong there at all. And those are the ones that you want to not be there. So it's that's interesting. So you get out of boot camp. What was uh what was what did you do? Did you get into the medical field while you were in the Marines?
1: So I ended up taking a short MLS school because um so I was active for about two years and then i finished the rest of the time in the reserves okay so i didn't want to have to take off too much time from school so i said hey give me a short MOS." so i ended up doing uh supply administration so after uh boot camp and then of course in the marine corps you have 10 days off you then go down to uh for combat training for a month and then you go to your MOS school so i was down in north carolina for about mm, 10 months and then after that We ended up heading to Albany, Georgia, which I hope that no one else ever has to go (laughs) there because the highlight of the town is a piggly wiggly. Uh, But I was ordering all the gear for the Marines that were deployed overseas. And so it was a lot of computer work. Um, And the reason for that was just because, like I said, uh, there wasn't exactly an MOS in the enlisted side that would translate over to when I went to the officer side for school. I tried to... Uh, I tried to work uh with the guys that were doing autopsies, but they wouldn't let me do that so nice. that was the closest thing I could get to and i couldn't do that
0: wow so so you did uh two years active you go into the reserves what's next for you what like when you're transitioning out how how hard was it to transition and to find something for you
1: so it wasn't too difficult because I, you know, I took a couple of years off school. I got back to school and I will say the transition back to school was difficult because you just get out of the, hey, study mode, you know, 10 hours a day. And so that was a little challenging for me. And I said, well, if, if it's going to feel this way, let me just take classes in the summer and winter so that I can get out of school faster. But I ended up switching my major from I was doing neurobiology and physiology, and I switched it over to uh, kinesiology, exercise science, because I then realized that I didn't want to be in school for another 12 years. So (laughs) I finished out school with uh, an exercise science degree, and I went straight into personal training. And there's, I mean, I started a big box gym, Lifetime Fitness, so there's, you know, plenty of places that you could start at. So. I would say it was more so just a challenge of trying to get back in the swing of going to school because, as I'm sure you know, it's your experience in the military. You're told exactly what to do 24 hours a day. You don't even have to think about it.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, That's interesting. So I'm going to connect the dots here because Polyport is a 3D asset protection platform. So I'm really... Because I know you, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm connecting the dots here, slowly but surely. So let's talk a little bit about the fitness stuff. Or or actually, let's back up a bit. What do you think it was in the Marines during your training, during boot camp, during your two years in active? What do you think during that time set you up to start your first business?
1: So I... I come from a family of entrepreneurs, so that was already how my brain worked. But I think that the one thing that being in the Marines that really helped me was the structure. So even though I just said, hey, it's hard to adjust <laughs> to reality after right. being told what to do 24 hours a day, the fact that you're expected to be at the right place at the right time, you know, the 15 minute if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late, those types of concepts and having an actual uh, A habit each day. I think that helps me because I feel as though if I get off track, it's uh, my whole day is derailed. So I like the structure that the military put in place. And then I would also say it helped me develop more patience because in the military, you know, you have the whole rank structure, and even if you know that the person that you're speaking to about something may be saying something that's not right, or you have some good input to put into the discussion. You're normally not allowed to do that. Right. And so I think it it forced me to try and develop more patience, which is great because when you're managing employees with all of these different types of personalities, I mean, you have to have a generosity bone and you have to be able to be patient with them. So I would say those two things were the biggest thing I've seen translate over.
0: I think the one commonality between all the services that share is that when you get to boot camp, you have all these very diverse backgrounds coming to one place to achieve a common goal. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs take that and run with it when they get into the real world, right? And you've already seen that and said that, that when you when you had a, you know, a vast array of of employees with different backgrounds, it's easier to deal with that because you've been able to Deal with all the BS that comes with being in boot camp and dealing with the different childish, you know, personalities that you have to deal with in boot camp, so, so, it's all, and and then the entrepreneurial background. What uh, what businesses did your family start that that spawned this entrepreneurial spirit for you?
1: So my dad, uh, I always wanted to be like my dad when I was younger, and my dad started off as an RF design engineer, and I used to watch him. Um, in in our basement and he'd solder boards together but he he helped develop the first radio for the international Space Station. Oh, wow and then after after he so he was doing contract work then but then he all of a sudden got interested in precious metals and decided to start his own uranium company. <laughs> so uh, very a very interesting uh, strange strange uh, transfer over that. I remember that I would go into his office and he would come home from. Surveying different mines, and he would bring back rocks, and he'd be like, "No, don't touch that. That's radioactive." And I'm like, "Okay, Dad." I'm <laughs> Thanks down. for bringing it home. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but you know, so he started his own business in the mining space, and then my so I have two older brothers, and the younger one of the two ended up following in his footsteps and started his own merchant banking company that invests in junior mining companies, and so. It's kind of this lineage, I suppose, from my father down to my brother, and then I watched my brother Colin in, in starting his own business at 21, and not that valuation is everything, but they're now valued at over 150 million. Jeez, uh, you know, five, six years later, and I just thought, wow, this is so cool to be able to build something like that from an idea, and always wanted to do that. I didn't know exactly what it was. But that's where I just started to look at that and say, I have to start my own business one day.
0: That's awesome. So we've been talking to Chloe Kettle, Kettel. I knew I was going to fuck that up. Chloe Cattell of Polyport and Partha, we're going to get to you soon. Uh, but we're going to take our first commercial break. Is that cool?
1: Sounds great.
0: Awesome. Hold on, guys. CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. And we're back. Chloe and Partha, we're going to talk to Partha. Partha, uh, I'm really curious about your background because you didn't go in the military, but you had, you've, it sounds like you've always been sort of entrepreneurial. Tell me a little bit about what drove you into wanting to find, found companies.
2: Well, um, so my background's kind of weird. Um, I've always been around computers since I was little. Um, I actually, had, my first computer was a Timex Sinclair when I was three years old. And I made a program that looked like a Christmas tree, and I was pretty proud of it. Um, <laughs> it, it could be the greatest piece of software I've ever written. But, um, so, but my father was an entrepreneur as well. And I've always just had these big ideas of, like, ways things that can be done a lot better than they currently are done. Um, and the side note to that is I'm also very creative. So, like, I've uh, produced music for a long time in L.A. Um, and I, I also ran a computer forensics and e-discovery company. So throughout my whole life, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur and have my own business so I can have the freedom to uh, create awesome things for the, for the world, as well as have enough money to... Kind of do whatever I want to and help people the way I want to uh, later on down the line. So uh, it's just—I guess I was born to do this.
0: Yeah. And are you from? Are you from the California area then?
2: No, actually, I grew up. Okay, this is going to come in the story, but yeah, uh, I grew up half my half my life in New Orleans. Okay. Uh, who dat? So. Uh, oh, you're pretty sad,
0: heartbroken but, right now, man. I <laughs> yeah. am so sorry <laughs> yeah. for you right now.
2: Oh man, it's cool. I'm getting getting over it. Good, good. But um, (laughs) you half my life in New Orleans and half my life in Virginia.
0: Oh, nice, nice. And so, how did you guys uh, get together and figure out this is what you guys wanted to do?
2: Well, um, first off, I ran into Chloe at a rave uh, and (laughs) we became friends after that. And so, but since she has an entrepreneurial mind, we would just hang out at her house, at my house or her house, and like, late nights just be talking ideas about crazy, crazy ideas. Like, uh, I can't even name the umpteen cool ideas we came up with, but yeah. eventually what's the worst idea the you guys came up with? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think I can say that on the phone. Okay. Here, so no, it's fine. I mean, uh, it's... Hey, we didn't get arrested. That's all okay. Well, that's good. But, that's
0: good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Yeah.
2: yeah go ahead.
0: No, no. I was just going to say, uh, so you guys coming up with ideas. Oh,
2: yeah, I forgot the question already. No, no. Um, yeah, so we yeah. came up with crazy ideas. And then it just happened to be we were out in L.A. running uh, a record label together, uh, which was the first jaunt into um, – I had a whole bunch of tracks, like, saved up and closed. Like, we need to put these out. And so we were like, let's go start a record label in L.A., um, that kind of normal stuff. And we just happened to be in L.A. and our next-door neighbor was a VFX guy, uh, very, very talented VFX guy. I did the stuff for Ninja Turtles, like, all kinds of stuff you see on the movies. Uh, but – we were actually drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels, and we decided, Chloe heard the idea that we came up with with the 3D encryption, and she was part of coming up with the idea. She's she's a woodpecker, as she says, and that's when we actually went into this hole where we're at right now, two years later.
0: Nice. So, so Chloe, help me understand, what was the precipice of doing 3D asset protection, and, yeah. and how you guys came up with this idea for Polyport?
1: Yeah, so as Partha mentioned, um, we both were out in Los Angeles working on the record label. Hindsight 2020, definitely want to do a publishing company in the future uh, because we're both creative. I used to sing and songwrite, and Partha is a really talented producer. Uh, I produced a couple tracks for Selena Gomez. But as you mentioned, when we started hanging out with this really talented visual effects artist, Dosa, uh, Dosa started talking about, over that bottle of Jack Daniels, how 3D assets get stolen left and right and how you could go on Pirate Bay and download a Marvel Avengers model from the printable section. And he was talking about how he would create some type of signature inside of his models so that if someone somehow stole his model, he would be able to figure out that that was his. And it just so happened at that same point in time, we had found that one of Partha's songs had got stolen and was being um, distributed on Beatport and Spotify, one of his most favorite tracks. And so while 3D models are not the same as, or 3D files are not the same as music files, they still represent hours, days, and years worth of work that can be reduced to a simple copy and paste function. Hmm. And so I just heard this great idea and Partha said, hey, well, why don't we just encrypt these assets And then all of a sudden, we have whiteboards coming out, markers. Next day, we're on the phone with a patent attorney. And uh, it it sort of seemed like a blur at the time. And we really had absolutely no idea what we were doing. But we just kind of started on this track. Um, I joined over 100 3D forums. And I started asking the community about the issue. So I was doing some research and and determined that it was a huge problem. And so we went from there and we said, okay, well, let's start somewhere. How are we going to solve this? Um, Partha could probably shed more light on that into how we ended up bringing on Mike, but that's how the idea was born.
0: That's awesome. So Partha, tell me about the the because clearly you're, you're the technical one on the on the on the the technical side of the founding team, right?
2: Yeah, I said, yeah.
0: So so tell me, how does I don't want you guys to give up the secret sauce, but like, how do you encrypt? a 3D asset protection? Like, how do, you, how do you protect a file like that? I mean, do you just embed a watermark and then that's how you sort of, like, you know, create this, as Chloe said, a signature for the file, or is there more to it than that?
2: So that, that, there is a part of that with signatures, and what I can delve, I will um, still delve into. So essentially, what we're trying to do is shift the model of where you lose, you lose possession of your data once you email it or send it to somebody that's the way things are right now. You send somebody a file, you encrypt it, then they, they unencrypt it and they have it for the rest of their life. So to shift that model, you have to get deep into how the actual functionality of the operating system works. And so uh, what we're doing from what I can tell you is kind of bringing NSA level technology to, to the corporate world, right? In combination of encryption, as well as some recognition of knowing what is in the data uh, so, when the data passes back through or it gets lost in the wild, we can identify it.
0: Okay. So, yeah. Nice. That's awesome. And so, how did you identify your guys' first customer? Like, that's part of the, the challenge, right? Is first of all, when you're creating a business, you have to figure out, is this something people will pay for? So, what was your first uh, foray into customer acquisition? Like, how did you validate this idea?
2: Sure. Chloe, you want to take that
1: one? Sorry, there's a slight bit of interference, Josh. Could you repeat the repeat the last part of that?
0: Sure. I was I was just asking, like, how did you validate the idea? Like, who who was your first customer, and how and how did they validate value out of this?
1: Yeah. So it's been a long process. Uh, you know, we started getting validation through different customer discovery calls. So there, actually, let me backtrack for a second. So when we came out with our first beta, it was doing a uh, you can drag and drop the files they're encrypted and you can see when you can track the file you can see who received it you can see what time what computer Um, but there was no secure editing inside of you know let's say an application let's say you're making a model in, i don't know maya or an adobe software right and so we had we had about 50 to 100 people that just signed up for that just because we posted it on the website but once again we didn't really know what we were doing uh, we ended up getting recognition from South by Southwest and invited to the innovation award in 2017. And we came back with a win there. And so it, it was kind of this continuous process of, of figuring out how are we going to be able to protect the file wherever it goes. And so after South by Southwest, we started getting, I don't want to say a bit more serious, but I mean, we were, we were really trying to figure out it wasn't just a passion project at this point. And so went back to the drawing board, tried to figure out ways to make the file protected wherever it goes. And then we ended up going to Patriot bootcamp. And that's where we met Dave Odom, one of the managing directors of our accelerator. And we ended up attending that accelerator, but all through this entire process, we were doing customer discovery calls. We were reaching out to whether it's an AR, VR content creation company, a media and entertainment studio uh, you know, I was posting on forums just trying to get feedback from people. And we had a lot of industry experts coming back and saying, hey, this is something that is needed. It's been needed for a long time. And then you also have the naysayers, especially in the media and entertainment space, saying that, oh, no, this isn't possible because they're so jaded by how the industry has been in the past. Um, and the reason I bring this up is because we've built up quite a big pipeline of customers. We're going into the early a- our early access program in the next couple of months. Uh, but we we do also have a few uh, customers that we've already booked, one being uh, a $9 billion market cap company that's very well known in the architecture, engineering, construction space. And then CG Trader, which is uh, the largest 3D model marketplace in the world. Uh, and we're providing them with a preview feature. So there's been interest from all different industries, but we're trying to stay laser focused uh, with the media and entertainment space as the beachhead.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And just to just to chime in on that on the end, like uh, so we also exhibited at SeaGraphs, which is the largest computer graphics conference, which Chloe may have mentioned. But like our booth was packed the entire time, all three days with all kinds of people saying, how is this possible? How can you do this? And that's when we knew we were on something for real. Um, I mean, along the way, along with South by's recognition, because uh, all these customers are really like, how can we do this? We need this today. We need this yesterday. Right. And uh, that's a big validation for us.
0: That's awesome. So explain, you know, you mentioned that you guys are really trying to stay focused on the media and entertainment world, but how difficult is it when you've got all these other industries sort of just trying to get the get this product into their hands? I mean, how hard is it to chase that shiny object? Or to avoid chasing the shiny object, I should say.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. So you I want to take that turn. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll start. Um so there's a <laughs> there is a recent Customer call that I had with the one that we just a customer that we just booked, and I had to have a hard conversation with him and say that uh, our delivery timeline for them we were going to double it before right before the contract got signed. Yeah, uh, because we had an opportunity window a couple of months ago where we uh, had enough time before we had to start really delivering for the main set of customers, and of course, due to legal processes that always takes longer than expected. Uh, I had to realize that. Either we have to not take on this customer because it's going to distract us or they're going to have to go with this double uh, delivery window timeframe, which was not an easy conversation for me to have, sure. but we ended up booking the customer still. So it's like, if they wanted enough, they will wait. As for the other industries is just as we were doing kind of the discovery process, we realized that you have to, you know, these people need this thing. They need this product. They've needed it this long. What else can you do other than telling them to wait? Because if you if you don't tell them to wait, then how are we going, how is Polyport going to be around to be able to serve those customers? Because we're going to, just like you said, be chasing too many shiny objects in different directions and not be able to deliver. And customer, our customer support and making sure that our clients are happy is one of the most important things for us. So I don't know if Partha, do you have anything else to add to that?
2: Yeah, know it can be difficult at times to, to stay focused, but you just have to have a methodology because ideas are going to come when they do. Yep. And if you have ideas that are maybe outside of what you're focused on or for a parallel industry, then you just have to make a note of them and stay laser focused because if you don't, then you're going to fail. So there's, there's really no option, right? Yeah. And so knowing that, knowing that makes it a little bit easier to focus. But um, yeah, it's definitely not uh, the easiest thing.
0: No, no, it's, it's, it's really difficult, especially when you're trying to uh, raise awareness, build your credibility, try to find ways to grow financially in your business. It's really difficult to say, hey, I'm sorry, I really want to take your money, but I don't want to fall flat on my face either. So, uh, so I applaud you guys for focusing on that. Uh, how are you guys um, growing today? You guys are clearly finding your niche. You guys came, you guys went back to South by Southwest in 2018. Talk a little bit about that experience.
1: So, South by Southwest last year, wow, it's 2019. Last year was awesome. Uh, The Innovation Award the prior year was more of a showcase. You, uh, you know, presented your technology over an eight hour window, and that was cool, but then. Last year, it was uh, the accelerator pitch event, which was a two-minute pitch followed by a six-minute Q and A. And I had the best coach to help me uh, prepare for that, Dave Odom, as I had mentioned, because Dave is the type of person that will is so meticulous and will pay attention to every little detail that the types of questions he was throwing at me when we were doing a, a mock pitch. Were questions that you would have an engineering director as one of your customers asking you. Sure. And so I was so prepared for that pitch that it felt, I don't want to say, it almost felt like a cakewalk when I did do the pitch at South by, but the accelerator pitch event was great because it gave us so much exposure. Uh, One of our investors, a family investment group, the carner group, we ended up meeting them there and they ended up putting in a significant amount of capital for our seed round. So that was that was awesome. Um, but I think what what we got really excited about last year was the National Association of Broadcasters. They had a, their first pilot pitch contest uh, where they end up investing fifty dollars in, and uh, fifty thousand dollars into the company. And we ended up winning that and have them on board as investors. And that happened in October. But it's cool to have NAB as an investor because of the fact that, you know, they're, they're in our target vertical for our beachhead strategy. And to be able to have them uh, on board is, is huge for us. So those things happened. That was awesome. And uh, I look forward to finding another competition to do because I think it keeps us fresh.
0: <laughs> That's it. Well, I mean, you clearly, you clearly have the pitch figured out. But how important is that for entrepreneurs to understand that, Storytelling is is key to their business, and like how do you, how do you now that you've gone through things like South by the pitch competition and Patriot Bootcamp, like how what would you tell what would you tell founders now about telling their story?
1: Yeah, so you know it it differs at the stage. Well, at a high level, it's extremely important to be able to tell what you're doing in a succinct way for a layman individual, because if you can't do that, then how do you expect to book customers? How do you expect to raise capital if that's the route that you want or need to go? Um, you have to be able to do that. And it's an, it's an ever evolving process. I'm going through the pain right now of, uh, of redoing or updating the pitch, if you will, because now we're at a different stage where it's we're not just telling the story about, hey, this is what's gonna happen five years from now. We're pre-revenue we we've, we've moved along quite a bit. We've got our sales pipeline filled out. And so it's now figuring out a succinct way of telling that story to the next set of investors to get them excited. Uh, and want to, you know, invest in poly So it's, you, I, what I would recommend to any founder is get your pitch nailed down, get a two minute pitch, get a five minute pitch nailed down, practice in front of as many people as you possibly can, because, and I mean family members as well, because they'll ask you different types of questions than an investor might. Uh, and then make sure that, you know, after you have raised capital, don't just stop and say, I'm going to wait three or four months and change the pitch again, keep practicing it and hone uh, refining it every week so that you don't feel like you're starting at ground zero again, when you have to go out and raise money, because you should always be raising money and you should always be selling.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Just to, just to add to that, I mean, the, the deck is also really important that you follow like normal deck guidelines to make sure there's not too much on the page and your deck looks professional, but as it goes down the line, the questions never get easier. They get a little bit harder it, and they're just a different question about a different area of your business as you mature. So it's all about just being on your toes and being able to speak to different conditions and also knowing who your audience is. Cause like at South by your audience is going to be very general. Uh, whereas if you're at an investor pitch for a specific investor group, there may be more technical people in the room and they may want to hear more than your normal pitch. So,
0: Yeah, no, it's great advice. Uh, so, we've been talking to Partha Ray and Chloe Cattell of Polyport. We're going to take our second break. You guys, cool? Sounds great. Go. All right, stand by.
1: Today's episode of The Veteran Startups is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. For instance, media relations. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this. Press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Carmen and Josh sent you.
0: And we're back, Uh, Chloe and Partha from Polyport. Uh, That's a mouthful, by the way. Uh, So, (laughs) so I want to dig in a little deeper about uh, where do you guys see this company going in say, like five years? Obviously, technology evolves very quickly, and this is something that you guys have identified as a need. But say five, ten years ago, or ten years from now, uh, where do you think Polyport goes? What's what's next for Polyport?
1: I'm going to let Partha take that
2: one. Yeah, so five to ten years from now, um, I want Polyport embedded into all the operating systems that are available that people use so that it becomes a a sort of seamless part of your your infrastructure and it's there for you to secure your data. And it's going to allow people to utilize uh, workforces that are global in a way that they can't right now because they're scared documents or sensitive sensitive intellectual property. So I see Polyport being the facilitator for a global workforce of the most creative people. And I also see it being, it just comes with Windows. It just comes with your Mac. It's a feature there that is a white label and it's part of the, the new economy.
0: That's great. So how do you then uh, deal with the other side of things, the nefarious dealings of security? Because there's obviously people that are working to exploit holes in what you're doing, how do you block and tackle that? How do you deal with the ever-changing challenges of being a security company and trying to ensure that it's completely secure and trustworthy?
2: Well, that's a never-ending battle. Sure. I mean, as long as, as, long as humans have been all around, one human makes something and the other one breaks it. And so the first key thing is that you have to be aware of where your weaknesses are uh, and also just be ever-vigilant to watch for new ones. Sure. Uh, and, and that that information is the most powerful thing, because without that, you don't know what's going on and you can't react. Right. Yeah. But instead of reacting, also, you keep your ear to the street. You keep uh, really astute security professionals. You surround yourself with them so you know what what the new beat is or what the new uh, kind of threat vector might be that day or that week. And then you adapt to it. But you just have to know that you're never you can never be complacent. Um, and you always have to be on your toes and you, and you want to innovate so that you can make your security even stronger without making a performance hit, because if security gets in the way of things, that's no fun.
0: Right. No, that's true. So, uh, I want to dig in a bit on, uh, lessons learned. This is the part we only have about 10, 15 minutes, maybe. And I wanted to start to dig in about things that you guys have learned along the way, because I'm sure you guys have made mistakes we all have in our journey but what's and I ask this every week but what is that one thing that you guys have fucked up that you're like we're never gonna fuck that up again and this is what we're gonna do to ensure we don't fuck that up again
1: so making sure that we avoid making the wrong hire or uh yeah so I'd start with that you know we when we were moving from atlanta out to denver to start up the polyport home, new home base we rushed into hiring uh, one of our engineers and it ended up not being a cultural fit there weren't the right skill sets there and luckily we we had other resources on hand to be able to help us so that we weren't at a complete uh, stalling point but i i would just say that Make sure you spend the extra time when you're hiring to ensure as much as possible that you are making the right decision. And it may feel like, oh no, we're going to slow down. We're not meeting our deadlines, but it's going to take a lot longer to meet those deadlines. If you end up making the wrong hire and then you get pushed back a couple of extra months or three months or whatever it is, because you have to now find a new hire.
0: Sure. Makes sense. So yeah, I, I, so, uh, I, yeah go I ahead. Sorry, add one?
2: Yep. Yeah, I can add just one. Um, and that would be to follow, follow your instincts, uh, trust your gut a lot because every time I haven't over the past two years, I've had some kind of inkling of a feeling and I don't go with it and it's always been right. So believe in your gut a lot of the time, uh, it'll save you some headaches and heartache down the, down the line.
0: Sure. So, other than trusting your gut, what other things can you do to mitigate this? Because I mean, you know, a lot of us make the same mistake, whether that's just employees or aligning ourselves with bad co-founders. How, how do you how do you deal with that? And, and then the other thing is, um, now you guys are a couple, right? Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> how do, how but, do you deal with that?
1: So. Partha and I, we, you know, as we mentioned before, we've always uh, worked on different business concepts together. And so yeah. we were, we worked on this stuff before we started dating, but sure. there's always a challenge of trying to separate work, uh, work-life balance. Although him and I get so excited about work that we're talking about different ideas. I think the challenge is um, making sure that when you get stuck in this daily grind to not lose sight of a thousand foot view of why you're doing what you're doing and I realized that I did that a couple of months ago and was not being the the cheerleader team like exciting everyone about the the little victories because you have to celebrate those things and lost sight of that with respect to Partha and I just coming up with crazy new whether it's marketing or uh, a new feature for the product and so that's the thing that I said, OK, we've got to make sure we don't lose sight of this, because otherwise, why is your why are your team members there? Why are they even excited to come to work every day? Uh, so it's just trying to make sure you manage those expectations when you get stuck into the highs and lows of a startup.
2: Yeah, I can I can add something to that is uh, one uh, first of all, I recommend everybody meditate because it makes a little thing. Maybe it, it makes your day a little bit easier because you're going to get punched in the stomach and you're going to get punched in the mouth and you have to make a decision right then and there as to what you're going to do. If you dwell on it, it's just going to make it worse, and your problems are going to be exacerbated. So when you do run into a mistake you've made or a wrong hire or some sort of condition like that, you just got to be on your toes and be ready to shift direction, pivot where you need to, make a new decision, find a new thing without getting too down on yourself.
0: Makes sense. Yeah, that's good advice. So I think we got a few more minutes before we our last commercial break, so I'll dig into this a little bit, but... When you, what's your defensible position? What, do you, what keeps you guys up at night for Polyport? I mean, security is a big deal. It's obviously something that people are. It's like the new buzzword right now, especially with everything happening with Facebook and Cambridge Analytica. But what what's the thing that keeps you guys up at night that uh, that you guys are really truly afraid of that will that could potentially scuttle all of this? Arthur, do you want to take
1: that one first, or
2: sure, sure, again, yeah.
1: So what keeps me up at night is
2: being able to deliver within the timeframe windows that we're being expected to. It's not that we can't, it's just, it's a fine dance and you have to have the right resources in place to make sure that you pull off the ultimate show for your customers who are all dying for your product. Right. Um, and so that's one thing that that's pretty tough, but it's doable. You just got to coordinate it properly. Um, and I mean, that's, that's it from my side. I mean, there's other things, but like, it's just make, making sure that we deliver this product and make sure that it's awesome and that it doesn't it, it performs well and that when when a user uses it they're not saying they're like getting frustrated with it, it and it makes it's, it's fun to use it's, it's a pleasure to, to work with um because those things are are key to people loving your product and then putting a good word out because uh that's that's part of our how, how our strategy is for to proliferate the world is for people to tell other people and People tell people bad news before they tell them good news. But if you do something really well, uh, that's what we're, our aim is. So uh, I wouldn't say it keeps me up at night, but a lot of other things do because I'm working really late. So.
0: Sure. Welcome to entrepreneurship.
1: <laughs> yeah, no sleep.
0: <laughs> Chloe, did you want to I add anything? I would just add, yeah,
1: yeah so uh, making sure that we have enough money to be able to deliver and sure. continue uh it continue working as a business. But so I would just also say that once, you know, if you can bootstrap your company as long as possible, then bootstrap your company as long as possible, because then you don't have to answer to other, you don't have to answer to your investors, which is fine because it keeps you accountable. But, uh, if you do go and raise venture capital, make sure that if your story is great, it's exceptional. And you, you know, you've validated and there's plenty of demand for the product. Like go raise two years of runway or whatever it is. Just give yourself enough time because it'll creep up on you before you know it, and then you're back out and you can't focus on developing the product or selling the product because you have to go sell it to investors to then have money to sell the product.
2: Makes a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, as one of our one of our investors says, you you don't slice the pie before you bake it. So <laughs> that's, that's, it's good that's what we learned this weekend. Yeah, yeah.
0: nice. Uh, So we're going to take our last commercial break real quick. Uh, We will be right back. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com forward slash startup radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code startup ruby. And we're back. Uh, so we have about five minutes left. I really want to dive into, you know, the lessons learned part. We talked a little bit what, about what you guys have fucked up before and you guys said hiring. What are some of the other things that, you know, we have a lot of uh, founders that listen to this or, or aspiring founders that listen to us. What, what's the one thing that you would really press upon an aspiring entrepreneur uh, about growing their business?
1: So I would say... Make sure you find the right mentors. I'm a really big fan of mentorship because, and meaning find mentors not that are in different uh, areas of the business. So for example, you know, I found a CEO that started a company and he's probably about four years ahead of where I'm at today. So I'm able to talk with him about different experiences like, Oh no, um, I need, what do I do when I think of a, uh, uh, an employee might sue us, <laughs> right. or uh, hey, what what do I do with this office space stuff? Just he's already gone through that experience three years prior. Then finding some a mentor that that has a skill set. Maybe it's around uh, a technical background. So maybe you have a, a a CTO type mentor, and you know, just making a well-rounded mentorship team that can help you with different facets of the business. That's one thing that I would say has been a big help for myself. Partha, do you have something else to add to that?
2: I yeah, you know the mentor thing, mentorship thing is very important. Another thing is, though, um, at the end of the day, you do have to remember you're running a business. So there, there is an emotional component and a compassionate component, like the people you work with, you love and work with. But there does come times when you have to just weigh the performance and the benefits of, of people and what they're doing. And there's times when people become obsolete. There's times when people aren't performing to the speed that you need to. And, and they're going to have to make tough decisions at tough times. Uh, so you just got to keep that in mind. And you're, you can still be compassionate and emotional. But um, definitely if you're too compassionate, you'll get stuck not making a decision for a long time. So it's always good to quick, do things quickly and act quickly on when you, when you find there might be an issue uh, and address it right away.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and and with with advisors, are you guys giving equity for that for exchange for that? Because I've always I've never asked this of any of our guests, which is weird, but uh, but I'm really curious how that works, uh, how you guys have, have set that up. Uh, do you guys give equity for advisor, or how does that typically work?
1: Yeah, so we depending on the strength of the advisor or where you are, what stage you're at as a company. I mean, you can look up. Uh, various stats online and see kind of what range sure. of options companies will give. Uh, but, you know, typically I've been told to give an advisor, let's say like a quarter of a point in options that vests over a two-year period. Uh, and if they're not performing or, or they're not helping you, then you can always cut that off. But So that's typically what we'll do with our advisors. If there's an advisor that's I mean, we've been really lucky that we have advisors that are not just a name. I highly recommend to any founder, a name is great, but you want someone that's really going to help you. you get, our advisors are uh, Sanjay Mystery, He's on calls with us, with customers. He's, I'm on the phone with him probably two hours on a Monday morning talking about our sales and marketing strategy and the thoughts that I've had. And so find those types of advisors that are really going to help you and not just uh, look like a pretty name on your advisory list. But yeah, anywhere from a quarter of a point to, uh, I would say, 1% is pretty high up there. So I would say a quarter of a point to maybe like three quarters of a point is what you'd want to offer.
0: And as you're getting into the next round of your funding, have you guys had any questions about advisors being on your cap table or is that just never, that hasn't come up?
1: Uh, I mean, they're already on our cap table. So if an investor does ask, I just share it out with them. Sure. Uh, so I, I guess it's already just something that I've done.
0: Yeah. Nice. Well, I love this, guys. You guys are, are, are an amazing team. I, You know, I'm a big fan of your guys' uh, product and, and of you guys. So um, where can people find you?
1: People can find us at www.polyport.io i'm on linkedin i am more than happy and love giving uh talking with other founders too because i like building out the network so if you guys want to find me on linkedin the name's Chloe Tell. you can look at us look us up through polyport um parza where else can they find you
2: uh so we well linkedin of course or um with my head down at a computer screen at 2 in the morning. Uh, <laughs> that, that and uh, we're, we'll be at NAB in Vegas in April. Nice. Uh, and then we'll be at the Game Developers Conference. When is that, Chloe?
1: March 18th to the 22nd in San Francisco. Nice. Yep. And
2: then in August, we'll be at Seagraph again. I believe it's in Los Angeles this time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah.
0: I love it. I love the I love the vision. I love the, the passion. You guys are clearly passionate about this. It clearly resonates with your customers. So I wish you guys all the best of luck. And you know me, I'll, I'll be around to to help however I can. So, uh, and thanks for being on the show. It's been a lot of fun.
1: Yes, yeah, thank there, you so much. Yeah, it was great
0: okay. talking with you today. <laughs> yeah, thanks. You've been listening to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. You can find us here every Friday night. Uh, Friday, Friday, starting at one p.m. I almost said Wednesday. All on I, I, I know. I don't know why. Uh, you can find us every Friday at one p.m. here on the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, get shit done. We'll see you guys next week. Cheers.
2: You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch.